Hello and welcome to Story You Talk Radio. I am your host, Coach Debbie, and I am delighted that you have reserved this hour to think about the real life stories that you live by and also think about the stories you are writing. I am a college writing professor gone entrepreneurial after about 20 some years. As much as I loved working with students and their essays, I started to get really, really hungry to help people with their books. And so I take first, second, third time authors through the process of drafting their first, second, or third book. And I like to keep it to about 90 days. Sometimes we go on for six months, but what I find is oftentimes when somebody comes and says, I have a story on my heart. I have a story on my mind. I have a story that keeps showing up in my life. What they're really telling me is that their story's been following them around for a long time. And it is now time that we get it in print. Yes. So, That's what I do over here. I'm based in Seattle, Washington, and for the current times, most of what I do is online, but in other times, it's kind of a 50-50, face-to-face and a little online, and then we get together here at KKNW, 11.50 a.m. radio in Seattle, Washington, every Thursday for your drive home at 4 o'clock. And then we offer a replay Pacific Time 6 a.m. on Fridays and 9 a.m. on the East Coast. And you can always listen to KKNW from your home computer. And that is 1150kknw.com. We make all our shows into podcasts, and you can find those on Apple Tunes, Apple Podcast, Podcast One, which is all one word, Podcast One, SoundCloud, and your other favorites. So, I just want to thank you for joining me today. I am taking your calls today if you would like to call in. And I'm also already receiving email questions about our topic and the guest I have invited on the show. I'm going to be getting to her in just a minute here, but you're in for a real delight. We have an expert life coach with us today. And any questions that you write in or call in, I uh, Both of us will take a stab at, but definitely first, my guest. So I want you to be thinking about what's heavy on your mind and get that to me in an email, which is AskCoachDebbie. AskCoachDebbie is spelled with a Y at gmail.com, D-E-B-B-Y, AskCoachDebbie at gmail.com. And for our phone number, you know how I like to bring... My lovely and wonderful engineer on the show. He manages all of the phone calls coming in. Hi there, Eric. How are you doing today? Hey, good afternoon, Debbie. I'm doing great. It's a beautiful day here in the Puget Sound, and I'm enjoying the view out my window. It is a glorious day in the Puget Sound. We're not used to having blue, 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 clear, clear skies (laughs) so early in April, right? Well, I'm not complaining. 
No, no, let's not complain. Let's give them our phone number. Let's do it. We'd love to hear from our listeners today. We're at 425-373-5527 or toll free in Western Washington. It's 888-298-5569. That's 888-298-KKNW. Mm, thank you, Eric. That is the thoughtful and kind voice you will hear if you make the decision to call in today, and we will be sure to get to your calls. So we have about 50 minutes here to address what I think is a very, very important topic. Of course, you know that I love words. I got into my career by way of reading like a maniac for most of my life and keeping a journal since age 10. But what I found was that there was nothing like dealing with the story of my real life. That's where the real, real challenges of writing my way through the day really, really became big for me. And it's not to say that I don't think writing a story is challenging. I really do. But when we're showing up in the real life that's going on, our real stories happening now, it's almost like we're, we're always thinking of, how can I be my best? And the guest I've invited to be with me today knows a lot about this. As you guys know, I'm always advising my memoir writers to be very respectful at how you manage any of your close ties when you commit your stories to them with print into print, um, because otherwise you're definitely going to start stirring up some, some gossip. So today I have invited expert life coach and new author Denise Anderson from Saskatchewan, Canada. She's going to share how that habit of gossip can be dissolved and how we can dissolve that whole problematic framework that seeps into our community when we allow gossip to rule our story. She's very, very acquainted with this, and she wrote a great book called Small Town Divorce. And this is all about providing you with a roadmap through those devastating times and and really reclaiming your power again. Like I said, she is an expert life coach and Please consider sending in questions for she and I today. Welcome to the show, Denise. How are you? Thank you so much, Debbie. I am doing fabulous. Thank you. It's a great day here, and I'm really excited to be here. Oh, well, thank you so much for sending your book to me and letting me peruse it and consider how we might use this for today's show because, like I was saying, Our words count, and when you live in a teeny tiny town, I would think they count just even a little bit more. Am I on track there? You definitely are on track. Yeah, the dynamics of living within a small town is 
you know almost everybody and everybody almost everybody knows you so your words your actions all of those things follow you wherever you go that is absolutely true obviously no matter where you live even in a big center but yes it, it is uh it's like a flashlight it gets spotlighted on that even more prevalently in a small town and you know <laughs> So there's that that aspect of it. But then the aspect that I that I also write about in my book, Debbie, is when those words get taken out of con- context or perceived from different perceptions, and then everybody starts adding their own thoughts, ideas, perceptions, and judgments on different things. So that is what opens up um, a whole great big can of worms, I like to say. Yeah, a can of worms for sure. And like I like to teach in in my programs, the hero's journey through these these life challenges, I know that you went on your own, which gives you the elite status you have now to speak on this, right? It is our personal stories that take us into an even higher status than the letters behind our name, yes? <laughs> it certainly does. It certainly does. Um, without having that experience, I always say, you know, you don't gain more wisdom necessarily just from reading and listening and you know, taking in other people's experiences, it really is your own experience of something and coming through the other side that really deepens the wisdom and the knowledge that that anybody has. So I'm happy to be able to have gone through this experience only to be able to help people that are already going through it or who have gone through or are in the process of going through it. And obviously, it's not just about going through divorce. It's it's that dynamic of people, you know, having some ideas about who you are and what you're expressing in the world. It's, it, it, it's very detrimental. Um, I see how it really holds people back in their own life. This fear, I believe it's, it's one of the top fears that we have are other people's thoughts and opinions about us, how they, how they perceive us. So, you know, having this fear of what other people are thinking, what I've seen happen in people's lives is that it really holds them back from living the life they want to live, from expressing themselves how they want to express themselves, and from ultimately, you know, living from a a truthful place of of your own true nature, which is really sad. (laughs) It is sad. It is sad. And you're bringing to the real forefront here that often when gossip is stirred up and, and we're not finding ways to support the people around us, it's it's sort of like we've abandoned our own loving nature to those around us. We, we've abandoned it with ourself, and now it's getting projected onto those around us. And my, my experience in small towns is limited, but what I have noticed is that there is sort of a stereotype, and, and it has two sides. The we really take care of each other, but when we're not showing up as our best, we don't. <laughs> right? <laughs> we don't. True. We hurt each other. <laughs> it's true. And you know, there are there are two two aspects to this that I really do want to bring to light. So first of all, yes, uh, what you were just speaking about, Debbie, um, 
there really is no greater place to live on the planet than in a small town or within a community who, I mean, honestly, I couldn't have raised my children in a a better place. They had access to so many sporting activities, arts and culture. It really does take a village to to raise children. So, Mm -hmm. you know, my children would wander down the street and the neighbors would take them in, say they fell off their bike and got hurt. I mean, they could go to anybody really within town and, you know, be taken care of or, oh, yo, Denise, you're, you know, your child's walking without shoes down the street or whatever. So that aspect is, um, that's hard to find. So, and again, another experience, you know, when my father passed away, again, the community comes together. They band together within your sorrow, in dramatic experiences in people's lives. They really do band together. However, the experience of divorce, which is very common, um, you know, we know the statistics and the rate, um, that's treated much differently. And Debbie, I know you and I kind of touched on this before, but the the feelings and the devastation in my life from my marriage dissolving, even though I was the one that had chosen to leave my marriage, um, it was like a death. My whole life completely changed, right? Um, Same as when somebody passes away. So two very similar situations. It's a devastation. It's a dramatic life-changing event. And they are seen and um, interacted with completely different by the people in town. And that's difficult. It's, It's difficult to manage because the feelings are the same. And then, you know, you're also trying to manage your children's and, and as a family, as a, to go through this process. And there isn't a lot of support, um, with the dynamics of going through that in a small town with, with divorce. Now, that being said, obviously, like when you said about being true to our words and our actions, none of us are always acting from our greatest integrity, our best selves. Things do happen and people do things. So when I talk about gossip, um, I, you know, there are things that we can speak about that somebody has done in their life that they really have done. People do have affairs. People do steal money from their businesses. People aren't always, you know, acting from their highest ethics and morals. So when we call somebody out or we speak about an action, that's one thing. And, but to me, the gossip, the condemnation and the judgment that also follows and ensues is, is really what I, what I want to speak about and address. I'm not going to negate that people (laughs) don't act, you know, there are people that act unkindly. And I really, you know, there is a biblical saying, you know, let he who's without sin cast the first stone. So who wants to pick up that rock and throw that first stone? I I don't know anybody who hasn't, you know, wish they would have acted differently or said something differently. Absolutely. Right. Yes. Yes. Relate to that. (laughs) Yes. Yes. You're you're making a very good point here. And there's a small town or not, there is often a assumption that if you're leaving your marriage, you don't like it and that you don't 
love the person, which is absolutely, in most cases, the most false thing that could be true. You love your life. You love your spouse. You love what you started. You're stuck in something right now, and you've done your best to unstick it. And these can be some of the hardest times ever because, as you said, there's a death going on, and a lot of people communicate about it especially when we're not there, in a way that that is detrimental to us growing out of our, our stickiness. So that said, I just hope this has kind of laid out what we are going to be talking about today on Story You Talk Radio. And I want to invite listeners again, if you haven't already typed in your question, I'm taking them at AskCoachDebbie at gmail.com and Debbie is D-E-B-B-Y and I'm also watching my Facebook Messenger to uh, see if your questions are coming in over there. I've got Denise Anderson with me today and her book Small Town Divorce. We're going to come right back after this commercial. When a small town gets a hold of a great story, they may honor it or they may turn it into gossip. One expert life coach shares her tale and her strength from her new book, Small Town Divorce. We hope you're enjoying Coach Debbie's conversation with first-time author Denise Anderson. Get your Kindle or paperback copy of Small Town Divorce on Amazon.com. Hi, this is Marilyn Milano. If you love animals, then please check out my new show, Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays from 9 to 9.30 a.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. I'll be talking with rescue groups, animal advocates, and other organizations that help animals, sharing their stories, and giving our listeners some tangible ways in which they can help make a difference. That's Love Has Many Faces, Tuesdays at 9 a.m. right here on Alternative Talk 1150. Raising awareness, touching hearts, and saving animals lives. We all make promises, big and small. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America. I do solemnly swear to help you when you are in need. To be considerate and caring. To be your loving, faithful friend, partner, child, parent, neighbor. One of our most important commitments is to support our nation's veterans. Learn how you can help a veteran going through a difficult time by visiting maketheconnection.net. Easy on the ears, good for the soul. Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Story You Talk Radio. I am your host, Coach Debbie. And today I am talking to Denise Anderson about what happens when small town gossip starts to get into our system. Denise wrote her first book recently called Small Town Divorce, where she deals with this 
roadmap of devastation, but also delivering you back to your life of self-empowerment. She went on her own journey herself and is now, I think, a perfect coach to help you through any obstacles you might be facing. I see, Jennifer, you have written in about friendship, and I do, yeah, I do think this uh, is going to work with our topic today. I also see that Hannah has written in, so we were going to get to you in a moment. First, though, I just want to ask of Denise here. Um, when you were putting together your book, Denise, and I, I just know that when we decide we're going to write a book, we have to make a huge commitment to the writing process. But what other commitments were you faced with or just even with the writing process when you decided to write Small Town Divorce? Mm, that's a great question, Debbie. Uh, you know, speaking from a very truthful, truthful place, a lot of stuff came up for me. You know, I hear so many people that say, I want to write a book. I'm going to write a book someday. And, you know, how I actually came to write this book was literally my father was on his deathbed. And I asked him if he had any regrets, if there was anything in life he wished he had done that he didn't do. And one of the things he said was write a book. He said, I always wished that I had written a book. And I made a solemn promise vow to my father on his deathbed that I would write a book. And as things happened, you know, or unfolded, I literally started the writing process within two weeks of him passing away. So I had this, I was ignited by the death of my father and this promise that I had made to him. And I just knew that if I hadn't fully committed to this process and just said, I'm doing this no matter what, it, it wasn't going to happen. So I started right away um, after mm -hmm. my father had passed away and it was committing to actually finishing it and committing to telling the story that, you know, it sounds like a good idea and it sounds like fun, but it wasn't always fun because it brings a lot of stuff up. You know, you start you start reliving things that you thought you had maybe moved past or or had worked through. And I got to realize where some of those hurts and pains still existed. So I yeah. committed to, you know, going through the emotions of whatever came up while I was writing um, my book. Yes, and and it's really an essential piece. Um, that that's part of why I take people on the journey of writing their book. Because how scary it is to go it alone. And I know that you also had lots of support while you were writing yours. There's a there's a section in your book where you talk about a roller coaster ride and. I think it is so poignant. I want to read it to our listeners here. And, and I'm saying this from the point of view that I'm someone who loves a good roller coaster ride. I mean, I'll, I'll stand in line for an hour. And part of the, the thrill of a roller coaster is I have the blind faith that where I start, I will end you know I, I don't have any thoughts that I'm going to be thrown to my death from the top of the thing I know I'm going to get an incredible thrill out of it 
And I usually go on these things with my brother, who is the funniest person I've ever met in my life. And I just enjoy being with him. That said, real life roller coasters are terrible. And so this is what Denise reminds us of in her book, A Small Town Divorce, about that. She talks about the notion that when you are standing in line, getting ready for the line, it might sound exciting, thrilling, packed full of adventure. She says, perhaps you are one of those people. Whenever you are at the fair, you line up for the great anticipation and you bark on the thrilling adventure. The ride specifically designed and you're willing to take a seat to experience what lies ahead. Being with that feeling seems so much easier when you're on a roller coaster compared to the emotions you feel living day to day. And by day to day, I mean the movement of energy that courses through your body at any given moment. Morning, noon, night, middle of the night, middle of the day, early morning, mid-morning, five minutes past mid-morning, five minutes before lunch, during lunch, before you're done with lunch. And she goes on and she builds this drama and it's wonderful, Denise. It's just a really, really great part of your book where you bring back the, the fact that when you're in a constant whirlwind of excitement and it's not your choice, you're stuck. You're stuck. It is real pain. And and for, for you, Denise, to sit down and write about this and to write about this to not only serve your own healing, but to allow it to elevate you to a higher level of coaching and to serve others. I mean, I really commend you. It's a huge journey to go on. And I, I just want to ask you something that you might think is silly after all this. Before you wrote the book, did you like roller coasters? <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? I, 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 do, I do. Yes, I do like roller coaster rides. I didn't always, but I, I, I did learn to love them and I would go on any roller coaster ride now. Yes. Good. So tell us what happened later in the book. You used that as such a great metaphor to help us really, you know, feel into that place that it's actually grief. The excitement you're talking about there is how grief just comes up at any time of day. Even if you think it's the time of day to digest lunch, grief says no. It's time for you to deal with me, and I'm going to turn your lunch upside down in your stomach today. Um, tell us a little bit about what you came to understand about grief and how it's made you a better coach. Well, thank you for um, bringing up this point in the book because I really wanted to paint a picture What's important for me when I share any story, very personal, and I'm exposing myself and being vulnerable is it's really important for me to let other people know that they're not alone. It is so easy to really feel like, okay, but no one's ever experienced what I'm experiencing. You know, no one has ever felt this type of grief or this type of heartache. You know, we 
we really think we're special in that sense of I'm the only one on the planet. And, you know, I say that with great compassion because the truth is, is, you know, our experiences can be varied, but at the end of the day, like deep grief and sadness, heartache and pain is deep sadness and pain and heartache for everyone. So I really just wanted people to know that, um, you know, they're not alone and that you can survive it. You know, when you're on that roller coaster ride, there is a day, there's a moment that it does cease to feel the way that it feels. It does cease to exist at a high level rate and you get more acquainted. This is what helped with my coaching is that I'm adamant and and passionate about helping my clients to become familiar and to become more um, capable of being with whatever feeling is going to arise. Because one thing that I cannot do as a coach, as a mother, as a human being is control other people's behavior or control the events that happen in my life or anybody's life. I mean, welcome to, to COVID, right? <laughs> welcome to our current situation in life right now. Like, who's in control of this, right? This isn't... Not you know, us. This is, this is way out of our hands. And, you know, if people go really deep with this, I would venture to say that, you know, 90 to 95% of your life really is out of your control. So, you know, what what do you have in your control? Mm-hmm. And I believe that a big aspect of what we do have in our control is our response to other people's behavior and, and to a given event or moment and our ability to process, sit with, and express our emotions. It's mm-hmm. powerful stuff. It's mm-hmm. a game changer. It's a game changer on so many levels because we all know the effects that emotions have in our bodies. So stress, anxiety, worry, right? Depleting our nervous system, our immune system, what it does to our cells. I mean, there's that whole medical, physical aspect to um, the havoc that emotion um, plays in our body and and the different frequencies of those emotions. And so I, I just, I know how vital it is to become, you know, I want to say an expert. Yeah. I want to say an expert. And it doesn't mean that it always looks or feels pretty. I mean, I can drop to my knees in tears at a, you know, at a given moment. And here's the truth is I'm okay with that. I'm not trying to block it. I'm not trying to, you know, feel sorry or um, apologize for the way I feel. But I am responsible for, for transmuting that energy in my body. So it's, you know, like mm-hmm. say anger. Right? Who doesn't get angry? We all have that, you know, rage or anger, that intense fire that burns inside of our bodies. And to get to a level of maturity, I call it emotional intelligence, that you're able to sit with that intensity. It's like on a roller coaster, like you don't get to go and start slapping people and projecting all of your fears onto everybody else. It's really our responsibility to sit with our emotion, to honor it. Like I really want to create where people start to just honor how they're feeling, not feeling embarrassed or belittled by their emotions, especially right now. I mean, yes, big events in our lives, divorce, death, you know, loss of a job, bankruptcies, all sorts of things happen. But 
this level that we're experiencing right now in our current situation, I mean, this is high alert. This is Mm -hmm. intensity. Like some people are feeling it all darn day long. Yeah, well, let's let's talk to Hannah, who's really feeling it here, because you have opened up for us this conversation around the fact that when you're going through a devastation like a divorce, it's happening to you on the inside. But when you're going through a surprise like COVID-19, that's all happening on the outside. So there, there are situations where things feel very compounded. And Hannah has written in and says, I don't know this book, but I will definitely be picking it up. Coach Debbie, I'm not sure if I wrote and told you before, but my husband and I separated right after Christmas. I am not completely alone. I have two children and my mother living in my home with me, and only four doors down is my aunt and her family. So I'm not completely isolated. But due to the fact that my husband will not speak to me at this point, I'm feeling isolation on a very different level. I'm wondering if you or your guests could speak to me about this. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. That whole feeling that someone won't speak to you and yet they're your spouse. Yeah. Yeah, I can feel like, you know, to me, the feeling that I get when, um, sorry, did you say your name was Hannah? Hannah, yes. Nice, nice. Thank you for um, writing in, Hannah. It's really nice to hear from you. And I do really feel for your situation right now and for your pain. And as you were speaking, I got this feeling in my heart, like a knife was going into my heart. It was like a stab, this really deep, you know, pain of lack of connection and communication with someone that you love, um, certainly were married to for an extended period of time. And again, um, Hannah, just going back to the emotions, this beyond isolation, you know, there's this, this loneliness and this hurt that you're experiencing right now. And so, you know, I do invite you, Hannah, to to sit with that. A lot of times, you know, our mind will go to this place of we wish what was happening was different. So, you know, that acceptance of what is, you know, when we can kind of curtail the thought into like accepting that this is the way it it is right now, he's not speaking to me and that desire within us that wishes it was different. You know, I wish he would pick up the phone. I wish he would send me a text. I wish he would inquire about my well-being or that of the children. It's, um, you know, it's a twofold practice of accepting that this is where it is right now and then asking yourself, who do I want to be? How do I want to show up in this moment as it's appearing? So mm. honor your feelings as they come. Loneliness, probably some anger. I mean, I'm sure you're you're upset about it. It hurts. You can become enraged and angry. Feel those feelings, you know, give yourself space to express it in a way that's responsible and, you know, congruent to your your behavior. And then ask yourself, who do I want to be? Take the focus off of him and what he's doing and ask yourself how you want to show up in that moment. Mm, I love that. I love that. Hannah writes in about every, what do I don't know, every four, five, six, seven, eight weeks I hear from Hannah. And so I'm always appreciative to get these updates. And the only thing I want to say here 
Hannah, is first of all, thank you. And second of all, everything Denise has just shared with you, I find is so universal around our powerlessness when we're in intimate relationships. It There's just this universal feeling of how how could it be possible that I could be so connected and then on this polar opposite side of, well, in your case, he's not speaking. And boy, boy, to reach in and find that acceptance, it's a big task, and yet it's part of your survival kit. It's really, really, really important. And Denise, thank you for speaking so clearly to Hannah about this. We have another question that's come in from Jennifer, and I think we're going to have to take a break, Jennifer, before we get to it, but it'll be a big segue for us because this one, this question is about friendship, and Denise is now working on her second book, which dives into a broader aspect of relationing, so I think this will be good for us. We're going to take your question, Jennifer, after the break. And we might even look at this fabulous acronym that uh, Denise has in her book, where she calls it divorced. But I just, wow, I just think of it as a great thing to carry in your toolkit. So stay tuned. We will be right back after this little break. When a small town gets a hold of a great story, they may honor it or they may turn it into gossip. One expert life coach shares her tale and her strength from her new book, Small Town Divorce. We hope you're enjoying Coach Debbie's conversation with first-time author Denise Anderson. Get your Kindle or paperback copy of Small Town Divorce on Amazon.com. Are you ready for something real, raw, upfront, and honest? Then tune in each Wednesday at 2 p.m. right here for Love from the Hip. I am spiritual hypnotherapist, master esthetician, and the host, Sakura Sutter. This show is unlike anything you have ever heard and was created to help others to help themselves. Hear me follow up with guests I have hypnotized and see how it has improved their lives. I will also spotlight amazing people from around the world. Their skin tips, live readings, and answers to life's burning questions. Join us each Wednesday at 2 p.m. Exploring new territory every day. This is Alternative Talk 1150. Welcome back to Story You Talk Radio. If you're just tuning in, I want to invite you to take up with the podcast that will be available later on tonight or maybe the replay on your drive-in to work tomorrow morning. We offer a replay on Fridays at 6 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Eastern Time. I'm talking today with expert life coach Denise Anderson from Canada and we're looking at her book Small Town Divorce. We've been really talking about that shock and that roller coaster ride of grief when 
we are separated from our mate and we have to start again but especially when we have to start again and we're feeling isolated or we're feeling part of small town gossip the pain of all of this is excruciating and sometimes our friends mistake it for something we want when of course it is the last thing on earth we want maybe we've come to accept i say we because i i too had a divorce but i will tell you that accepting his death was easier for me than accepting that we would not stay married divorce is big divorce is real and for us to turn it into some game of gossip not fair not okay We're finding out that uh, there are skills and there are ways that we can equip our tool bag as we go through something as shattering as a divorce. And what I really love in Denise's book is she has put one together, whether she was really trying to do this or not, it's how I saw it, was she put together this acronym called Divorced, and she led off with that first D standing for decision-making. And I'm going to let her talk about how... um, how that, first of all, the full phrase of decision-making, but how you might work with that first little step in your acronym DIVORCED. Yeah, great. And I just want to say what you mentioned um, at the beginning of this was really well said as well, Debbie. So thank you for sharing what you just Mm. shared. So yes, the acronym that I came up with was divorced. So it is actually the process that I would lead people through, um, through, you know, going through a situation like this. So obviously each of the letters stand for part of the process that I share. So D is decide whose opinion you value. So I wrote a chapter on friends and in that chapter, um, in the one paragraph, I said that people will come into your life for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. When you figure out which one it is, you will know what to do for each person. So we all have friends, family members. Um, Some are very deep, intimate, vulnerable relationships that we have with people. And others uh, we can't trust so much. And there's going to be others that are just kind of, you know, characters in your movie, I like to call them. You know, you don't have real deep association. So if those are the people that are talking about you, um, you know, commenting on your your posts on Facebook or somehow trying to degrade your character in any way, shape or form, you know, there is a process of deciding like what value, how much energy are you actually going to give what this person has to say? Now, I know that I have people in my life where I really do um, highly regard their opinion and they will call me on my crap. So when I am full of it and when I do need, you know, to have my eyes opened, I can trust them to to say what they need to say to me in, in a very respectful way, I also might add. So that is also an indicator of whose opinion you should, how are they sharing their opinion with you? 
and what would their intention be in sharing their opinion with you if it's coming from a very volatile type of type of expression. So I do have opinions about lots of different things. I love sharing my perspective. I don't like to share my perspective to ever bring harm or hurt to another person. Now, we might not agree, but that doesn't mean that we are disrespectful. So if somebody's going to be disrespectful in the way they want to share their opinion of me or what I've done or what I've shared, uh, you know, I, I really have no use for that. And just don't let that energy in. Just don't let that energy in and decide the handful of people whose opinions you're going to value. Mm, great. Oh, that's really well said. I'm I'm looking over here. Could you just read to us, if you don't mind, um, some of your favorites from that acronym divorced? I mean, I have mine and I could do a five hour interview just on that acronym alone. I, I think it's brilliant. But just just a couple there that really carried you. Yeah. So uh, let me see. Definitely. So the you know what, let me just share. So divorce. Yes. So the I is inviting new friends. So being willing to, you know, find new people, find find a new group, a new tribe of people to love and support you. Yeah. V is for value adversity. I mean, we're not getting out of this without adversity, people. Yeah, <laughs> that's over. I love that. You know, we we just we can't sidestep that one at all. So learn to find the value in the adversity that you're experiencing. Definitely can apply today as well with COVID. O is for overcome emotional resistance. So the resistance that you have to going on that roller coaster and feeling your emotions, learning to overcome your resistance and be willing to walk through that fire. R is retrain your brain. So this is a big one. You know, our, our mind, our conditions, our patterns are going to fill us with a, a whole bunch of stuff that just isn't true. You know, your mind is going to want to say you're not good enough. You know, you're, you know, you shouldn't have done this. Um, you know, when are you going to get your crap together? You're always doing this. Those negative self-reflecting thoughts that really eat away you know, almost like at a soul level, they just eat you alive. So learn to do retraining of the brain. And I have a lot of practices and things that I share with my clients. Um, change your perspective. I mean, if you're looking out through the lens, the same lens every single day, in every moment, you're going to keep seeing the same stuff. You're going to keep mm -hmm. reacting the same way. So be willing to change your perspective. E, engage in conversation. Um, this is huge for me. I believe, and I've said this to my son, I said the hardest thing you're going to do in life is have conversations with people. Honest, truthful, heartfelt, intimate conversations. It's what I believe everybody is avoiding. Um, and then D is develop self-love. At the end mm -hmm. of the day, that's where we want to get to. A deep honor and respect for yourself and when you get there trust me the opinions of others start running down your back like, like water off a duck's butt <laughs> it, it really does it really does because it it's not that we're starting some sort of enemy club in any way we just we just needed a, a velcro um not a velcro a teflon like a teflon finish to help us not be so empathetic to that which isn't going to ever serve us. And right. sometimes those 
those small thinking um, little gossips, they're not going to serve us. Not at all. And something I had to come to understand was no matter how well I behave in the world, my mood, my good behavior, that doesn't. (laughs) <laughs> that doesn't always win you all the points you're after, you know. You you got to still have a relationship with yourself. And I'm going to use that, Jennifer, my dear writer, to segue and get to your point here. Because I can really hear that you are suffering. And um, you say, I, I had a falling out with my best friend two years ago. I apologize, but not much movement since then, and I don't know how to fix it. Yes, I am in a small town, and I work at one of two coffee shops. Mm -hmm. We see each other often. In fact, I think she makes it a point to walk by quite often, but she doesn't come in. She just sort of looks through the window. And during slow times is when I see her the most. Honestly, I'm starting to think she's stalking me. But what I really want is for things to go back to the way it was. Jennifer, that's heartbreaking to me. Uh, me too. Um, um, I want to jump down to the bottom of your letter here, Jennifer, just in the interest of time. You said here, I've already apologized to her And I don't know what the next step was. So if you could put me on course, I am willing and I am tired enough to take it. Wow. Thank you for being so vulnerable, Jennifer. I can, like Debbie said, I can totally feel your pain and the angst that this has caused you and continues to cause you. So thank you so much for for your letter and for your question. Um, I can really relate to your experience, I too had um, one girlfriend in particular, um, very good friends, had shared a lot of good memories, a lot of, you know, experiences with her. And same thing, she opted to um, to leave me, basically. I, I apologized. I talked to her. And, you know, to this day, to no avail, we, we are not we're not good friends. We don't stay in touch. We don't, we didn't live in the same town. So I can only imagine how much um, crazier that is for you. Um, So so Jennifer, I want to kind of preface what I had said before that, um, you know, not accepting what is, is what actually causes us, is is what actually causes us to suffer. Mm -hmm. Um, Trying to control it or wanting it to be different will always get us on that hamster wheel going around and around and around. And it's just, it's not happening. So um, I have empathy for you. Honor the hurt and the pain that you feel over the loss of this friendship and the way it used to be. So I would suggest like a grief ceremony like saying goodbye, write her a goodbye letter. You don't have to actually give it to her. Um, Or you could write a letter where you're just expressing like all the great times that you had together, almost like a, like a type of eulogy. What would be all the things you would want to say to her and honor, give that your friendship, honor and dignity. And, and you know, what did you value from her friendship and what did you receive from it? Because you got something from it. So go to that aspect. And then I would use the opportunity that you have when you do see her in person and she's coming by, maybe to kind of like rub you the wrong way. Use that. Um, Think of the pearl. 
and the sand grating on that oyster and turning it into a pearl. That's the opportunity that I see here for you is use each every single moment that this happens as an opportunity for you to go within yourself and and to feel what's there and then rise above it. Again, ask yourself, who do you want to be when she shows up at that coffee shop? It doesn't mean that you have to be mean and nasty. Treat her with respect because the truth is, I don't know what she's going through. She may actually really, really miss your friendship as much as you do. I don't know what's going on for her. So I would never assume that. So Mm -hmm. you have an opportunity to ask her if you wish and then, you know, show up. How, how do you want to show up? You love her and respect her. Then, then honor that moment that you have with her when she comes by wave, smile, ignore whatever you need to do, but honor yourself. Oh, so well said, Jennifer. There's a part in, um, Denise's book I want to say it starts chapter 8 I'm actually scanning right now to see if I can find it for you I think she started out by saying if I only had a brain Ah. (laughs) and it's this idea that sometimes our, our brain actually ends up doing just a tremendous amount of overthinking and it is in the overthinking that we experience a fair amount of pain. Here it is. I found it. It's, she called, Denise says, if I only had a brain that didn't think so many thoughts. And, and she starts by talking about her divorce and says, these thoughts seem to be amplified and inescapable. They haunt you. The ones that ring the loudest are the negative thoughts that make you doubt yourself and leave you feeling insecure. And boy, I'm really glad I was able to find that part. Um, what, What I wanted to say to you here, Jennifer, is in addition to everything Denise just said, that that anguish, we're just so often unaware that we're the one talking to ourselves when the other person isn't. And we're not talking to ourselves in a very loving way sometimes. We're trying to fetch information. And, and we've just, we've sort of left our creative mind for a while. We're not really curious about the relationship we've had with the person. We're in correction mode. We've kind of got the... Uh, teachers talk this way. We sort of got the red ink pen out. And we're thinking, well, I already apologized. I mean, didn't you say that, Jennifer? So what if you didn't worry about all the things you've already done? And instead, you took Denise's advice, maybe buy her book here, because a divorce and friendship is just like an intimate divorce with a lover. It's painful. And we have to find skills and ways to love ourselves through it. it. It is so, so painful to lose a girlfriend. But it might be, just like Denise was telling you, that you're losing her right now. And, and there may be a season where something with her or with someone else is going to grow. And all you're going to see is the beauty of that new growth. You really will. 
It's kind of, it's just like looking outside right now. I hope you're somewhere beautiful, but where I am, the sky is blue and the <laughs> sun is bright. And here in Seattle, we didn't have that for quite a while. So I've forgotten about all the pain and I'm just in today. And that can happen in friendship as well. My friend Denise, will you come back and talk to us again? Debbie, I would absolutely love to. And I would also love to end by offering your readers a free copy of my book. Obviously, print has been delayed because of COVID and everything that's going on. So anybody who wants a free copy of my book, just uh, send me your email address on my website at www.deniseanderson.com and I will send them a free book. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you for your generous offer. Absolutely. We are out of time for today, but I invite you to come back next Thursday, 4 o'clock, and we will continue to talk about the stories you're writing and the stories you live by. Thank you for tuning in, and namaste, my friends. Namaste.